I was at, a, um, at an employment law training course um, about a couple of weeks ago, and it was in the middle of our Reformation um, series for the 500th anniversary of the Reformation during October. And um, we were talking about what's an employee. And for an HR manager, that's quite important because um, employment tribunals can sort of stand and fall on, you know, uh, legal definitions. So I thought um, I'd just um, share a little bit, and you'll see where I'm going in a second. So here's an employee and um, a Playmobil employee. And, um, and there are four... Uh, yeah, that's for Phil. There you go. Phil works with Playmobil. And, uh, and there are four sort of standard tests for um, employees, um, the first one is um, you have a, a contract with an employer, and, um, and that contract needs to be legally enforceable. So if I took out a contract for Phil to murder two or three people um, in the congregation um, and he then fell sick or demanded the minimum wage, that wouldn't be legally enforceable. Um, there's, um, um, the second test is a mutual agreement, so there's kind of a meeting of minds, so the two sides um, get together and uh, there's a kind of an idea as to what you're going to do together. Somebody does something and the other person generally pays for it. There's consideration, so there's value given by both sides. And um, there's genuine sort of consent and um, uh, there's, you need to be competent as well, so you need to be a sound mind when you make the contract. Um, the second thing is that you um, have to um, carry out the work personally. There's no um, uh, way you can subcontract the work. So I'm reaching for my reading glasses, which is the second best invention in the world after the dishwasher. Um, so you have to carry out the work personally. And um, there was a recent case of an IT engineer who um, was um, taken to tribunal because, he, well, he went to tribunal, took his employer to tribunal because um, his employer sacked him. Uh, because he was subcontracting his work, he was based in the UK, to somebody in India. So he would um, phone his guy in India or send it over the computer each evening and he would complete the work and, uh, uh, on his behalf. And uh, it took his employer to tribunal for unfair dismissal and lost on that ground. Then there needs to be a, uh, there's a mutuality of obligation. So there's a binding relationship between uh, the two parties. And then finally, uh, the employer has control. So the, um, the employer controls the way that the work is done. And um, so they're the kind of the four, the four tests of um, um, uh, an employment relationship. So that kind of defines what is an employee. And I, and I was sitting there thinking, um, as I sort of listened to this, that's exactly, you know, how we are, um, you know, could this, how, this, this relates to how we are in Christ. Uh, and our relationship with Christ, it suddenly hit me and I thought, this is what my, what my talk needs to be about. Um, because we've been um, talking about... Sorry, I'm going to go back one. Okay. If we can go back a slide, if you could help, Christine. Thank you. That's possible. Uh, so the, the, uh, the reading's from Ephesians 2. And the whole um, sort of chapter's going in as talking about uh, being dead in our sins and how God has raised us up from our sins. Uh, okay. I'll read it for you. So Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And you see that there are the three sort of um, key solas in there. There's uh, sola gratia, by grace, 
we've been saved. There's a sola fide through faith. So we're saved through faith. Uh, and it's not, a, it's not of ourselves. Uh, it's a gift from God. And it goes on to say that we are God's handiwork created in Christ. And um, so, you know, we, we're created to, um, by Christ. We're saved by Christ alone. So um, um, solus Christus there, the third solar. And um, it, this is God's handiwork. And if you look in verse 10, you know, it's, it's, we, are, we are God's handiwork. And um, God prepared us, in ad- God prepared that work in advance for us to do. So the work existed before we were um, created in Christ. It's there waiting for us to do it. So I thought, well, how would I apply my employment tests to, um, that we just looked at to you know, our life as a Christian? So what is a Christian? There's a Christian. And uh, that's Martin Luther. And uh, a Playmobil Martin Luther... And um, the, um, apparently, when, the, when this came out, that figure, in 2015, there was an initial production run, I was reading today, Phil, of 34,000 pieces. They all sold out within 72 hours. And since that time, over half a million Playmobil Luthers have been sold. It's over a million, says Bernard, yeah. Which is quite incredible. So... Um, Servant of Christ, I put in the middle there, because in the beginning of Romans, Romans 1, 1, Paul describes himself as a servant of Christ. And he, the word servant that's translated is the Greek word doulos, which refers to being a slave, if you like, or a, a bonded servant, and uh, which I thought was quite employee-like. So I thought that really does, you know, it's, uh, you know you, we're bound to Christ as his servant. And if we employ, employ the, the same four tests, they, they, uh, they come together rather nicely for us. Um, so firstly, you know, the, there's a contract, you know, between us and Christ. You know, it's, it's legal. It's guaranteed. Our salvation is guaranteed through grace. We just need to repent and submit to the Lord Jesus. Um, there's consideration. You know, things of value are given by both sides. We don't bring much value. We give our lives to Christ. But he gave us the atoning sacrifice uh, on the cross for our sake. We can't um, subcontract our work. Um, we can't be on the sidelines and let others work on behalf of the kingdom. We need to do it ourselves. Uh, this is part of the contractual relationship. We can't sit there and allow everybody else to, to do all the work. There's, uh, that's the mutuality of obligation. And finally, um, Christ should have control of our lives. You know, is he in control? Can we say that Christ is in day-to-day control of our lives, or does it just tend to be at the weekends or on Sundays? So then what's our compunction? What does this compel us to do? Um, and I want to read from Matthew 9, 36 to 38, uh, where he also, where Jesus refers to workers. And he says, um, when he saw, the, the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus mentions workers. And it's almost like this is a precursor of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where we're told to go out into the world and, uh, and preach the good news to all nations and baptize in Christ's name. But evangelism can take many forms we're not all called to be door knockers we can contribute to the kingdom in many ways 
Um, there's, a, there's a story of a, a NASA floor sweeper, somebody in Cape Canaveral who was sweeping the floor, and somebody came up to him and asked him what he was doing, and he said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And that's a bit of a hokey story, and it's probably not true, but the point when we apply it to our situation is we all, in our little ways, can, you know, whatever we're doing um, in the church or um, working for God's kingdom, you know, we can do it in many forms. We don't have to be standing, talking to people. We don't have to be... Uh, knocking on doors, we can do it by serving in other ways and supporting events, for example. And, um, and then I wanted to look at James 2, uh, and, and return to the truths of the Reformation. And um, I'm going to excuse me, I'm going to read from James 2. Um, from, this is the New King James, so please excuse some of the translation. Um, but if you have a Bible, if you, um, I thought that this was interesting. Um, if you go to verse um, 24 of, um, of James chapter 2, verse 24, James 2, verse 24, it says, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only, which just shows you one of the dangers of, uh, of taking Scripture out of context. Apparently that was one of the um, verses that we, was used against Luther, um, when he initially um, was talking about, you know, through um, we're saved by grace through faith alone, uh, because people said, "Well, look, it says in the scripture that you're, um, you know, you're saved by works and not by faith only." Um, but you need to go further back and take the context in which this is um, written um, to get the full meaning. So, starting from verse um, fourteen, and I'll, I'll read through. He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which they need for the body, what does it profit? So what difference does it make? And it goes through here to the verses you see on the screen. So in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And um, because of the, um, apparently because of the fact that um, Luther was um, challenged often with James, he um, at one point referred to the book of James as an epistle of straw, or a right straw epistle, apparently, is the, the German translation. And he um, he was sort of called to account on um, to account on that later on, and repented of that because obviously all scripture is inerrant, and there is no um, uh, inerrancy. You know, the verse twenty four, if you take it out of context, does look strange. You need to look at you know the whole sort of uh, context of it. So, it, um, so Luther then taught about fides viva, that we have a living faith, um, and um, and only a, uh, a living faith is the only faith, true faith that saves. So the, the Reformation sort of message, so pre-Reformation, um, the, um, and, and still the Roman Catholic view of salvation is that uh, you need both faith and works to be justified, uh, whereas um, the, we'll get on to the post-Reformation view um, in a second. So the, um, you, know, you must prove your worthiness essentially by earning enough merit, um, uh, enough credit um, through your works that enable you then to be deemed justified by God. 
Um, something that broke out um, after the uh, advent of the early church as well was um, antinomianism, which was, um, uh, and, and later, um, which is, um, looks at you don't need any works at all. So anti being against and nomos being the Greek word for um, uh, law, the laws, is just being against the law. So you could really put the law to one side, that the Bible, scripture really is nothing where you're saved only through faith. Um, therefore, you don't need works at all. So faith is justification without works. Um, but the, the post-Reformation view, of course, is faith is, you know, we're saved through grace uh, by faith alone and only faith, and that we're justified by God through that saving faith. Uh, but works naturally come as a result of our salvation. Um, and that, um, you know, we're, so we're justified by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. Luther um, wrote you know, many books and treaties, and, and one which I thought was particularly relevant, he talked precisely to that point, um, and he said that saving faith is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, this faith. Faith cannot help doing good works constantly. It doesn't stop to ask if good works ought to be done. But before anybody asks, it already has done, it already has done them and continues to do them without ceasing. Anyone who does not do good works in this manner is an unbeliever. Thus it is just as impossible to separate faith and works as it is to separate heat and light from fire. So we're saved through faith um, alone, but um, you can't separate works uh, from your faith. We're all called to serve. I'm sorry, Phil, this is a Lego piece. I couldn't find a Plainmobile judge. (laughs) But um, the... um, the question that I thought I should pose for us is, if we were prosecuted or taken to an employment tribunal for being a servant of Christ, would there be um, enough evidence to convict us? Could anybody tell? You know, can the people you know, that we work with or the people we interact with day by day, um, do they um, know that we're Christian you know, by our works, by the things we say and the things we do? Can they actually tell any meaningful difference? And as we walk with Christ through our lives, as we go through our um, slow sort of stages of sanctification, trying to become more and more like Christ in our lives and in our walk with Jesus, you know, can we ask? You know, can we say day by day that in small ways of serving Christ in the kingdom and in trying to become more like Him, that we're really um, making the most of our faith and that we're showing um, in demonstrable ways that we are saved and we have that true gift from God.